take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah the prophet, he was, he's been called the weeping prophet. He's been called the prophet with a broken heart. The period in which he, uh, he prophesied was between uh, 626 B.C. before Christ and 580, uh, 580 B.C. Much of his prophecy was not good news. He prophesied God's message to Judah, particularly to Jerusalem, because of their sin and the judgment that would come as a result of their sin. And as you can imagine, you know, that's not a message that most people want to hear. When God called Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 to be the prophet and to go, he said, Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces, for I will deliver thee, saith the Lord. In other words, as you speak the truth of God, there's going to be a lot of folks that give you some funny faces. Yeah. <laughs> and it got a lot worse than that for Jeremiah. It was worse than just faces. If it was faces, it would be somewhat easy to take. But he was, uh, he was persecuted. He was rejected. He was imprisoned. He was left to die. Um, he had it kind of tough. We're going to take, though, just a short little passage from Jeremiah chapter 18. This chapter 18 and chapter 19 is... Is the sign from God to the nation of Israel, the potter's house, the potter's house. And what God was trying to say, and by the way, God's so merciful, so long-suffering, He's so kind, even in His judgment. And He's telling the nation of Israel, He says, listen, the nation's been marred because of sin, but I'm able to take you and I'm able to make you again into a, into a good vessel. I'm able to make you again into something that if you'll, if you'll surrender to me, if you'll come back to me, I'm able to make something beautiful out of you even though you have allowed sin to destroy your life, destroy your nation. And if God can do that for a nation, God can do that for you. If God can take a broken vessel, if God can take a marred vessel by sin uh, for a nation, for a whole nation, then He can do it for an individual. And not only can He, but He wants to and He will if we'll allow Him. So let's just take a, a, a look here in the first four verses of Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good, to the potter to make it. The picture here that God's trying to show the nation of Israel through Jeremiah is God is the potter. 
the nation of Israel is the clay. But we understand that we, are, we too are the clay. I mean, it was God that made us. He formed us. He formed us from the dust of the ground. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There is no one that knows us better and knows more about us than the potter. There is no one that knows us better than God Himself who made us, and He made us for a purpose. Every potter, when they make a vessel, they have an end purpose. They have a reason for it. And I believe that every individual made by God for a reason and for a purpose. Sin can come along as we understand and can destroy that. But he said here in the first, he said to Jeremiah, he said, go down to the potter's house. And I got to ask you, what's so great about going to the potter's house? I mean, when you go down to the potter's house, what's so wonderful for us as the vessels to go down to the potter's house? And the answer to that question is because the potter's there. What makes all the difference and what makes the house, the potter's house, is if the potter's there. What makes a church a church is if the Lord is there. What makes the Lord's house the Lord's house is if the Lord is there. And what makes going to the Lord's house so great and going down to the Lord's house so wonderful is if the Lord is there. If we can go and meet with the Lord, if we can go and meet with the potter, the one that made us, the one that made us for a reason, listen, no, no two vessels are the same. No two people are the same. We're all different. We understand that. But we all can have a connection with the potter, the one who with his hands and with his will, he came and made us for a reason and for a purpose. Coming to the house of the Lord, our reason for doing it is not, as they say, to check a box. It's not as they say because we think it's the right thing to do to come to church. So therefore, we come to church. We come to church to meet with the Lord. We come to church expecting. We come to church uh, anticipating, desiring, desiring to hear from the Lord, desiring to meet with Him, desiring for the potter himself to put his hand on us and do a work in our lives. And I believe that he wants to and he can. One of the greatest, greatest worshipers, I believe, in all of Scripture is David. The sweet psalmist of Israel. The king. He said in Psalms 122.1, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go down to the house of the Lord. David said it was a good thing. When someone said, hey, let's go to church. When someone said, hey, let's go down to the house of the Lord. Something inside David, he just got excited. Why? Because he just he couldn't get enough of the Lord. He couldn't get enough of the potter himself. Listen, we don't come to the potter's house to look at the other vessels. <laughs> we don't. We come to the potter's house desiring the potter to touch us. Desiring to hear from Him. Desiring to see Him and to experience 
God Himself. He says, David again says in Psalms 84.10, he says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. David said this as king, he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. He said, I'd rather go down there and keep the door. And he said, listen, I've experienced the fellowship and I've experienced the relationship with the king and there's nothing like it. In our lives and in our, and in our hearts, there's, you know where we should want to be? We should want to be where He is. We should desire it. We should desire Is it, you know, the song that we sang, Lord, I need Thee, if we could just become like little children, little children that, were, that are just, just scared to be without our parents. I'm serious. Just, just I wouldn't want to go a day without Him. I wouldn't want to go an hour without His presence. And to come down to meet with like-minded believers uh, to say, hey, God's been good to me this week. Uh, God's answered my prayers this week. God's, uh, he, he certainly has His hand in my life this week. And all of us together to sing songs of worship to Him and to hear His Word preached and desire the potter to touch the vessel. But what's so great about going down to the potter's house is that the potter's there. And then He said this. He said, He went down to the potter's house and he says, and I will cause thee to hear my words. Now, he said, I'll cause thee to hear my words. You know what's so great about going down to the potter's house is that potter, he kind of works in seclusion. I mean, there's not a lot else going on at the potter's house other than him making the vessel. When you get down there at the potter's house, there's not as much noise. There's, you know, in this culture, in this society, probably like everyone, there's so much noise. There's so many people talking. There's so many things being said. But when you hear from the Lord, it's a whole different thing. They're, they're, the lights come on. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it to hear from the Lord. You say, I have some questions. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of questions. They feel like that, hey, there's, uh, you come to the Bible and we're going to have all these uh, questions answered. But sometimes when you get into the presence of the potter, we realize that the questions that we are asking aren't even the right questions. We're not even asking the right questions. Once we get in the presence of the potter, it just seems like nothing else matters. Our faith becomes sight and all the things that maybe we struggled with and we really needed an answer and we don't know why our past was this way and we don't know why our mom and our dad and we don't know why our kids or our husband we don't know why that this happened this way and this isn't going what I thought and then all of a sudden we get into the presence of the potter and we hear a word from the Lord and we say he's in control yeah, he knows what's going on never mind all my questions I was in the wrong I had the wrong direction of thought even God is in control and he will lead me all the way through and it seems like that we can just have peace in the presence of the potter There's been, listen, God speaks to us. I, I, you, you, you can act like uh, you're crazy. You can act like you're nuts. God speaks to us. Sometimes God will speak to us. Listen, if God isn't speaking to you, seek Him to speak to you because God speaks to us. I'm not crazy. I know I'm not. I mean, maybe a little bit, but God speaks to us. Listen, God speaks to His people all through the Word of God. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Sarah. He spoke to Mary. He spoke to Joseph. 
He spoke to Paul, the apostle. He spoke to the early church. He speaks to his people. And when you hear from the Lord, listen, all we then have to do is just trust and obey it. Because, my goodness, when we, have, when we get a word from the Lord, there's no better direction in life. There's no better direction in life. I mean, you can have all the most talented, and I'm not against wise counsel, and I'm not against all those things, and I'm not against asking other people's advice. But my goodness, when the Lord said to Abraham, He said, go up and I'm going to take you into a country that you don't know. You know what Abraham had to do? He had to get up and go. When God told Noah to build a boat, you know what Noah had to do? He had to start building a boat. But it was the best decisions that these people ever made when they listened and heard the word of the Lord and just listened and obeyed and followed it. We are the vessel. We are the vessel. And He is the potter. He knows what's best for us. He says down here, he said when he got to the potter's house, he he could hear the word of the Lord. He says in verse 3, and he went down to the potter's house and behold, he he wrought a work on the wheels. You know, God's at work. I mean, when you start to think about it, when you start to look around, God's at work. You say, well, I can see evil at work. I see what's going on in the world today and there's things that just aren't right. But if you just look just a little bit and have your mind open and see what the Holy Spirit's doing, God's at work. God's at work. He's at work in your life. He is at work. Listen, we are all in a process. It's all in a process where He is working. He says, listen, He was doing a work on the wheel. Now, the potter, I don't know. I'm I'm no expert on on what happens uh, when, when you're making pottery. But they do have this wheel that when you put the clay on the wheel, it goes round and round, and he puts it, the potter puts his hand on the clay. And he begins to shape it and form it. Now, when it's on the wheel, they have to keep this clay wet. They have to keep the clay wet. And you know why the clay has to be wet? So it's pliable. Listen. If you want the Lord to shape you into the place that He wants, you want Him. You want Him to shape you into what He wants for you. You don't want to resist Him, but you got to be pliable. You got to be pliable, and you got to keep the water on you. Listen, if I have a hobby horse, listen. If I have one thing that I'm going to say over and over and over again in church, if I have this thing that you know, it's like, oh, here he goes again. It is we as Christians have to be in the Word of God. We have to be feeding on it. We have to walk because it's just quiet. It makes us quiet. Listen, when we've got His supernatural Word working in our hearts, boy, when His hand touches us, we're so easy to move. We're so easy to change and be uh, conformed to His image. As he puts, you say, listen, I, I, I'm sure that the Lord's working in my life. I'm sure He is, even though I don't see it exactly what He's making. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen the whole thing with the with the potter and they're doing this thing it looks like a clump and you're like what are they making? How, what's the end result of this thing going to be? And then all of a sudden it just takes shape as it spins around. You say you know what in my life as of the last year, as of the last couple years of my life, the last ten years of my life, I feel like I'm going round and round in circles. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going round and round and round. 
But that's how, that's where, that's the direction you have to be going for Him to be able to form you into the image that He has. That's how He's going to get us into the shape. Listen, if, he, if, we, weren't, if we weren't moving at all, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't, we wouldn't be so easily shaped. As He w- does this work, He has multiple things that He does. They take the clay and they crush it down. Right? Get it, get it ready before they put it on the wheel. They always carry, a, the potter always has a thing that looks maybe like a scalpel, may even be called a scalpel to what? To pull out those things, cut out those things from us that need cut out. Along the way, God's going to start removing some things in our life that wouldn't be pretty at a finished product. And ultimately, after He gets us to the right exact shape and the right exact form, He puts us in the fire. That oven gets to be about 2,000 degrees. And we're never ready. We're never ready for the service. We're never ready to carry anything in our, in our life and be able to serve others and never ever ready to be able to do exactly what He has called us to until we've been through a fire. The firing process is not a wonderful process. It's one of the ones that we resist the most. Actually, we spend most of our time, if we're honest, as Christians praying that He keeps us out of the fire. As the fire gets closer, we're like, deliver me from the fire, deliver me from the fire. I don't want to go through the fire. I don't want to go through the fire. I'm not. None of us want to. You've got to be crazy to want to go into troubles and trials and tribulations in our life. You've got to be crazy. But it's in those times that God is able to finish the work and remove the dross and get us ready for service. You say, right now I feel like I'm in a fire. Praise God. That's what James said. That's what, that's what Paul said. He said we glory in tribulation also. Why? Because you might be just about ready for that specific calling or purpose that God has for our lives. You know what it comes down to? It comes down to faith again. To truly trust that the power is in control. That the potter is working, and whether we're going round and round on the wheel, or whether it's cutting something out of us, or whether we're going into the fire, or whether we're in service, or wherever we're at in the process of the potter and the clay, just trust Him. Sometimes people have trouble with that, don't they? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we say, I've gone far enough. I've done spun long enough, or I'm not going in that fire anymore. I'm going to fight this. I'm not going to go through it. And you know what? He's willing at any time to be able to start over. Just as He says, He can start over. He can make anything. But we've got to be surrendered to it. We've got to be content in the process and the plan that God has for our lives. We as, pe- we as people, just as people, we want to control. <laughs> we want control. And, and the sooner we find out we don't have control anyhow because we are clay. We're clay. No clay has ever made itself into a vessel. And if we had control, we couldn't do what God wants to do in our lives anyhow. He says this, he says, he wanted to work on the wheel, and then he says this, and the vessel that he had made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. He says in the hand of the potter, i got to think that there's no better place to be than in the hand of the potter. 
There's no better place to be than in the hand of the potter. You see throughout all the Scripture where God puts His hand on somebody. When God's hand is with you. He said, I will uh, never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is a promise that we can hold on to. Ezekiel said in, in Ezekiel 37.1, He said, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And He carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which is full of bones. Elijah said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. I, I, uh, Ezra said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. John the Baptist said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. Paul the Apostle said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. As you go down through Scripture, listen, what I'm trying to say is if the hand of the Lord is upon you, it doesn't matter where you're at, you are in the best hands. It doesn't matter where you're at, in the process. Everybody wants to be at the finished process, right? Everybody wants to be that vessel there that's ready for service and beautiful and and looks so nice, but... Listen, the best place to be, whether it's a finished vessel or a vessel being made for His purpose, the best place to be is in His hands. The story uh, in the book of Acts, the church in Jerusalem, they were persecuted. Now, I don't want to go too deep into this, but God had told the, the, the apostles that they were to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right? They were to go. They were to spread out and preach and tell. And then then as the church began to grow there in Jerusalem, it seems though that no one was leaving. Seems like the church at Jerusalem just continued to grow and grow and grow. And then what happened was there was persecution. Persecution began to come onto the church there. And the Bible says that they began to scatter. They went to different cities, and some of the Christians went to Antioch. And the Bible says when they got to Antioch in Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty-one, and the hand of the Lord was a, and the hand of the Lord was with them, the, those persecuted Christians, uh, and great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You know what happened to the Christians at Jerusalem? The fire was turned up. The persecution was turned up. But you know what the Lord had in mind? He had, he had His hand on them the whole time. Even during persecution, even during hardship, the hand of the Lord was upon them. And you know what ultimately happened? God used them. Listen, if the hand of the Lord is upon you, wow, what, what protection, what provision, what power. You say, well, I'm I'm nothing. You know, God couldn't use me. Hey, if you're a lump of clay and God's hand's on you, you can be a vessel of of, of great price to do wonderful things in the hand of the potter. He says that the potter, he knows what's best. In uh, verse 4, he says, And the vessel was made of clay, was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. The potter knows what's good for the vessel. The potter knows what's best for the vessel. This takes a lot of trust to be able to believe that no matter what God's doing in our life, He's doing it for our good. You say, well, the, 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 the bad stuff in my life, 
is all because of my own decisions. I deserve it. I'm reaping I'm reaping what I've sowed. I'm reaping the sin that I sowed. I know I am. And so therefore, God isn't involved in this. But the truth of the matter is, if we'll go to Him and seek Him, even in our trouble and even in our marred mess, He will take and reap, just as He says in this passage, he 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 can take any lump of clay and just put it back down and bring it back up. He can take the, any marred piece of clay and still make... That's, what, that's what's so wonderful about Christianity. That's what's so wonderful about the Lord is, is when God takes someone that has messed up and has made a mess and then God uses them. You know, some people won't trust them. They'll say, well, that person, because of their past and because of this or that, you know, who are they to, to help out in this very... In this, you know, this person had troubles in this area, and now, and now they're helping people in that area. God does that kind of stuff all the time. He takes someone that failed in one area and then brings them up and makes them a vessel that what it glorifies God. Who would ever think that the Apostle Paul that persecuted the church would spend the last thirty some years of his life being a blessing to the church? He knows what's best. It's what he seems good. You know, ultimately, God's in control. Ultimately, we got to come to a place where it says, God, my life is in your hands. Now, that should be the place where it's at when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. But the truth of the matter is, we almost have to daily remind ourselves of that, is God, my life is in your hands. He says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest unto God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? You say, Why am I this way? Why am I going through all these things? You know, it's, it's okay sometimes to question God. He is merciful and long-suffering, and I believe that He, it's, it's not, a, you know, um, uh, we're not dishonoring Him by saying, why God? He's gracious enough to allow us to do that. But when we start accusing God of making the wrong decisions in our life, or thinking that He has lost control in our life, He said, who are we? Is the thing that was made to question the one that made us. He says in verse 21, Hath not the potter power over the clay? And the truth of the matter is, is he does have power over us, but he's asked us to surrender to it, to allow it to be pliable in our lives. As you're on the wheel, as you're the clay, where are you at? As he's taking a scalpel to you, will you allow him to do it? I think of even the story of Jeremiah, just, just kind of stepping back and looking at him. Jeremiah, he, he struggled. His whole ministry was not a pleasant, a pleasant ministry. Listen, if you ever wanted to volunteer to be a prophet, you would not want to volunteer to be Jeremiah. He had a hard, hard life. He didn't have a big following. He didn't have a lot of people wanting to hear what he had to say. He didn't. His whole life. His whole life, every time he opened his mouth, they were, they were angry at him and mad at him and upset with him because the message from God for them was not good and they were not willing to surrender to it. And therefore, Jeremiah became the bad guy. 
And you know, along the way, Jeremiah could have thought, listen, God, I surrendered. I surrendered to be your vessel, and this is how I'm being treated, and this is how it goes. And ultimately, in Jeremiah, I'm not sure exactly how he died here, but, but if, he, if, he, if he got to the end and felt like, you know what, this whole life, I can't understand what God was doing with me and through me. And the truth of the matter is, many times in our lives, we don't see exactly what God's doing. But for the last 2,000 years, people have been studying and preaching out of the book of Jeremiah. I don't know how many people have come to know Christ to, uh, over the years of the messages preached out of the potter and the clay and how many people have surrendered their lives. You know, Jeremiah at the time, he didn't realize what God was doing. He didn't realize the prophecies that he was... He didn't even realize the scope of the prophecy and the impact that God was using his life. He could have looked at his life and felt like, I'm not doing any good. I'm not making any impact. But, but for us to sit here today and look back at Jeremiah's life, we all say, he followed God. He made an impact. We're glad he followed God. Sometimes you can't always see what God is doing. But you got to trust it. we got to surrender to it. As we close, take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 64. Just to read one, one more verse as we close. Isaiah 64. 8. Where are you at in this process? Maybe you're here this morning and you know that God created you. You know that there's a God. But you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never accepted Him and the payment that He made on Calvary to pay for your sins. Accepting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest decision that a person could ever make. Accepting Jesus Christ's payment for their sin, that might be where you're at today where when we take time to pray, you bow your head and ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to come into your heart. And save you. Maybe it's just remembering, hey, I'm the clay, I'm the vessel, he's the potter. I want to spend more time with the Lord. I want to be intentional to go and to hear his word. To seek him for the answers that I have, or the questions that I have. Seek him and his word for the answers. Allow him to continue to work. He is at work in our lives. There's no doubt about it, but say, Lord, I surrender to it. I'm at peace with it. I'm content with it. I I accept what you're doing in my life. And and more than that, God, even though sometimes there's a fire involved, I thank you for it. That's That's pretty high ground as a Christian, as a believer, to begin to thank God for even the troubles. It's easy when, when, when we pray a prayer and everything goes exactly how we want it. We, you know what we say? God answered my prayer, right? But what if we pray a prayer and then we say, God, your will be done, and everything goes opposite of what we prayed? Do we ever stop to think that God answered my prayer? <laughs> God answered my prayer. This is the mindset I'm trying to get to, that we are not just trying to control God, but we are surrendering to God controlling us. Accepting it. He says, 
in Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, and Thou art potter. And we all are the work of Thy hand. If we could go forward this week remembering that our Father is our potter and that we're the clay, and that this week not only is God working in our life, but He wants to and He will And if we surrender to it, we're going to enjoy it that much more. Amen? Let's bow our heads to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we trust this morning that you met with us here in this church. Lord, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you meet with all of us throughout the week. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be setting time aside to just go to the potter's house and fellowship with you and in your word, to hear from you and in our prayers to you. God, I know that if we just get intentional about seeking after you, Lord, you will be found and you will be heard. Lord, I'm asking you to stir our hearts to draw close to you. God, there's people here. Uh, Lord, all of us are in different spots. Some of us are on the wheel. Some of us are getting things cut out of our lives. Some of us are going through the fire. Some of us are being in service, Lord, and no matter where we're at, God, help us to glorify you, help us to trust you, help us to be content with it. Lord, if there's one here that has not surrendered their life to you for salvation, made you their Lord and Savior through obeying the gospel, God, I pray that before they leave this building, that they pray accept you and be saved. God, we love you. We thank you for how wonderful you are to us, God. Thank you that you are the power. Thank you that you have your hand in our lives, on our lives. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.